Hey friends, today's scripture passage is from Acts 1. Last Sunday, we celebrated Easter, a recognition of the resurrection of Jesus. All four of the Gospels speak of Jesus rising from the dead, but only the Gospel of Luke has a sequel. Luke ends with Jesus spending time with his disciples, then ascending to heaven. The book of Acts, which most scholars believe was written by the same author, offers a recap of some of those events and even adds some additional details. Something that strikes me in today's scripture passage is the instruction from Jesus to stay in Jerusalem. Recall that this is occurring in the days following the arrest and execution of Jesus. The Romans are still very much in power, and they are no less interested in maintaining domination than they were before the crucifixion of Jesus. The twelve apostles had scattered at that time, and though they might have been emboldened by the return of Jesus, it must still have taken nerve to obey. This is in keeping with their new circumstances, though. As Willie James Jennings writes, the deepest reality of life in the Spirit depicted in the book of Acts is that the disciples of Jesus rarely, if ever, go where they want to go or to whom they would want to go. The hopes of the disciples were crushed when Jesus was executed by the Romans, but his resurrection offered renewal. Maybe Jesus had additional surprises on the way. Perhaps somehow the baptism of the Holy Spirit of which he spoke meant the Romans would be overcome after all, and the Judeans could regain control of the land for the first time in generations. Before we delve into that, though, let's look deeper at the deity known as the Holy Spirit, whose role is highlighted in the book of Acts. At Lancaster Theological Seminary, one of the requirements for Masters of Divinity students is to complete what is called a comprehensive vocational review. Part of that process is developing answers to a set of theological questions, such as what you believe about Jesus, Scripture, and the Church. It's a valuable exercise requiring that you carefully consider your beliefs after years of class and your own spiritual life. Once your responses are complete, they're reviewed during a meeting with seminary faculty, your internship supervisor, and a liaison from your ordination committee. To respond to questions from that group, you not only need to be able to state what you believe, but also why you believe it. Thus, I spent a lot of time reviewing scripture and other documents I consider authoritative, such as some of the confessions from my faith tradition. One question asked, how do you understand the Holy Spirit and its work in the world, the church, and our individual lives? That might be a simple question for some to answer, but for me, I had to do a lot of unpacking around the Trinity. Where does God the Creator and Heavenly Parent end and the Holy Spirit begin? Is there a difference between the work of Jesus in the world now and the work of the Holy Spirit? Some sources offer definitive answers, but at times those conflict with definitive answers in other writings. Nonetheless, I was able to articulate a response that made sense to me. I share it with you now, not because I think it's the right answer to the question, but because I find we too often mention the Holy Spirit in passing without really delving into her origins, breadth, and how she influences our lives. Genesis says that the Holy Spirit has been with God from the beginning. The Nicene Creed and Acts say that the Holy Spirit spoke through the prophets. The Gospel of John says the Holy Spirit acts as an intermediary between humanity and God. 
In that same gospel, Jesus names the Holy Spirit as a helper, and the Gospel of Luke says the Holy Spirit guides those who wish to follow the will of God. If you read beyond today's chapter in Acts, you'll find that the Holy Spirit was present at the birth of the Christian church. In the book of Romans, Paul says the Holy Spirit abides in anyone who has been blessed to follow Christ. In the Presbyterian Confession of 1967, it says the Holy Spirit performs God's reconciling work in humankind and the church by promoting forgiveness and peace between believers as well as between believers and God. In the Presbyterian Brief Statement of Faith, the Holy Spirit is everywhere, giving and renewing life, inspiring us and giving us courage to pray, witness, hear the voices of the silenced, and work with others for justice, freedom, and peace. Clearly, the Holy Spirit does a lot. If I had to condense my thoughts, I'd say the Holy Spirit continues the work of Jesus in the world. The Holy Spirit is God working through people to realize God's kingdom through the pursuit of justice and peace. Personally, when I feel moved in a direction in accordance with the will of God, I consider it to be the Holy Spirit working through me as a result of God's grace. Ultimately, though, what's important isn't what I believe about the Holy Spirit. In fact, anyone who demonstrates too much certainty about any aspect of God should probably be considered somewhat suspect. What's far more important than what we believe is how our belief manifests itself. What does it look like when the Holy Spirit acts through us? That's a question the followers of Jesus in today's passage had to consider. But they asked something else first. As Willie James Jennings writes, the disciples ask the nationalist question. When will we rule our land and become self-determining and, if need be, impose our will on others. Nationalist desire has tempted Israel from the beginning, and in fact, tempts all peoples. The nationalism suggested here is not a historical nationalism bound to the anatomy of Israel, but the deeply human desire of every people to control their destiny and shape the world into their hoped-for eternal image. Understandably, the followers of Jesus wanted to see Rome defeated, probably even more so after the merciless killing of their lord and friend. Jennings continues with a critique of that desire, writing that resurrection will not be used by these disciples as an ideological tool for statecraft, nor will it constitute them the winner's circle. Such ways of thinking resurrection turn Jesus into the greatest victor in an eternal competition and produces disciples who follow Jesus only because they worship power. The power of God's kingdom is different from the power of the world's empires. Yes, God's reign will be reestablished among God's people, but not by some apocalypse from heaven, but by a mission on earth. As Paul Wolaski writes, in Jesus' final statement to his apostles, he promises that they will receive power not to rule, but to witness. The extent of those receiving power is made clear later in today's passage. It is not just the 11 surviving disciples who form the core of the church, but it extends to include Jesus' mother, siblings, and some unnamed women. That's not the makeup of an opposition army by earthly terms, but they represent those chosen by God. That theme continues throughout Acts. The church grows in number and diversity and encompasses people from different faith and cultural traditions. 
So Rome would continue to exert its power even as the body of Christ grew, demonstrating how the Spirit of God intervenes between diaspora and empire, offering a new world to both. Evangelists sometimes talk about winning the whole world for Christ, but Michael Beth Dinkler suggests that missionary efforts are often motivated by Western triumphalism, which can lead groups to attempt to supplant all other religious traditions now, just as they did during periods of colonial expansion. Thus, sadly, the Christian church has a bloody track record due to its embrace of ideas like manifest destiny and the doctrine of discovery. Those serve as examples of the church expanding the nationalist question beyond its own borders, seeking to govern others in addition to themselves. Sometimes it's best to take care of things near home first, as the disciples were instructed to do by Jesus in today's passage. Before they took their message to the corners of the world, they listened to what the Holy Spirit had to say. Their motivations fell in line with God's kingdom, and their numbers expanded to include some that they would not have chosen if abiding by society's rules. Being a Jesus follower isn't about winning, at least not by the world's standards. In fact, victory in Jesus sometimes looks like defeat. Thankfully, though, it is assured. As Robert Wall writes, waiting for this dynamic future to unfold involves a measure of uncertainty and urgency. What makes it possible for disciples to hope for tomorrow's best is God's past faithfulness to Jesus. Our capacity to wait expectantly for God to act according to the promise is cultivated by memory of the record of God's faithfulness in the history of others. The Holy Spirit has always acted among God's people and acts in our lives today. How does that work manifest itself? You'll see the Holy Spirit leading Jesus' followers to feed the hungry and to champion policies that decrease hunger. You'll see the Holy Spirit leading Jesus' followers to live more sustainably and to dismantle systems that poison our planet. You'll see the Holy Spirit leading Jesus' followers to celebrate the diversity of God's children and to call out those who persecute those children for being who God made them. You'll see the Holy Spirit leading Jesus' followers to live humbly and with gratitude and to challenge economic systems that idolize wealth and consumerism. The book of Acts provides a model for Christianity that is neither quiet or passive, but aggressive, assertive, challenging, and countercultural in calling upon everyone everywhere to repent and turn to Jesus in faith. With that inspiration, we're equipped to identify and reject the forces around us that diminish our lives and to focus on God's kingdom. My friends, the Acts of the Apostles continue. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for joining me for this week's reflection. While you're here, please click subscribe and also check us out on Facebook or Instagram. We're intertwined FC.